The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to anything I can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Now, welcome along to the football show. So interesting weekend, I think it's fair to say. Arsenal's lead cut from four points to two. Newcastle into a Champions League spot. Jurgen Klopp, well, as he said himself, as low as possible was the mood after Liverpool's defeat at the City Ground. The post-Gerrard era at Villa off to a flyer. Fulham going very, very well. Leeds and Wolves far less so, both in the relegation zone. Our top four at the moment, Arsenal, City, Spurs and Newcastle, very happy to say, as ever. Pat Nevin is with us on a Monday evening. Hello. Uh, hello, Joe. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. So, lots to get into. Nottingham Forest won Liverpool nil. got the weekend off to an interesting start. Uh, one of the stats, I, mean, I don't want to get botch uh, cause and effect here, but three Liverpool players aged 21 are younger in the starting lineup. It was interesting. First time in six years that it happened under uh, Klopp. That's not to blame <laughs> the three players 21 are under but uh, something's gone very awry here for Liverpool there was a, a question mark last week could that win against Man City jump start something well we got our answer I'm afraid um, exactly I was at the West Ham game um, when they played West Ham and they were brilliant absolutely brilliant Liverpool against left ha- West Ham for 45 minutes and then they weren't brilliant and they were very far away from being brilliant after that and they were lucky in the end to get away with the three points at, at Anfield. So it tells you there's a very good team in there. Um, but whether they can keep it at that high level, you know, every three or four days, uh, I think the answer is quite simply no. It's, it's harder. And will that team ever be back to what they were before um, at that level? Or do you need to refresh, possibly rebuild? And are we actually in the end in a transition season for Liverpool? A couple of people have said that to me now. So a couple of people have said, yeah, it's obvious. That's what he's doing. Have a look. You know, and and it's only the start of it. You know, you have got quite a few younger players. And you do need to rebuild. I mean, that Liverpool team has been, although a couple of changes, it's been quite a while. It's been together quite a while. And I'm not saying they're gone, they're past it, they're dead, they're useless, nothing like that. Probably now's the time to absolutely sit down and think, right, OK, where's the rebuild? How does it have to be done? Because if you keep on trying to, you know, be, you know, the way they were for three, four, five, six years there, and it's not going to happen, then that's not going to look good in Jurgen Klopp because you're kind of holding on to something that's gone, and it's a wee, it looks sometimes a wee bit sad in football. So I have a suspicion, like a number of others, that it's just the start of a rebuild. Um, and I would hope and utterly expect that he's allowed to do that. You know, you're absolutely allowed to do that. Sir Alec Ferguson was allowed to do that. Wenger was allowed to do that. But very few are. To, to some degree, Pep, although they've never had that much of a dip, mm. has made quite a lot of changes and adaptations. But is, it, is that more the question? Is it, OK, they can't be that again to that level? It needs a rebuild. And I, I have a kind of suspicion that's what it is now because of, because of the phrase you say, three under 21s. That's not, maybe yeah. that's not completely lack of strength and depth. That's maybe, right, this is where we have to go. Yeah, and there are certain mitigating circumstances, I'm sure. Thiago uh, waking up with an earache, I think, at five in the morning, and that ruled him out. And Henderson is obviously not quite 100%. I don't know what's going on there, but he's on the bench. And 
Uh, he doesn't get the nod for a game like this. I presume Klopp will be given full latitude to rebuild over quite a prolonged period of time. He has near infinite credit in the bank. I, that, I would hope so. I mean, in this game, you think and you hope you see it, but things change. Uh, I can't imagine any way they won't give him any more than a year and a half, two years to do it. I mean, which is unbelievable in modern football, just unthinkable in modern football. But he has, he's got so much credit. There's staggering amounts of credit, and so he should. Considering what Liverpool had been for a while and what he's brought them to being, uh, yeah, massive amounts of credit. And he's shown that he can build it. Not just him, it's not just Klopp. I mean, he's tactically been good. He's adapted a little bit recently as well. Um, and you have to adapt as the game goes on. But it's, you know, they have brought in really interesting players that, you know, shocked everyone. They go all the way back to Salah and the vast majority of people never saw, no chance saw that happen to the level that's happened. Mm. But even the most recent ones are coming in and you're looking at them thinking, yeah, I like, I like the look of some of it. You know, I certainly can see what they're trying to do. Just a young player they've brought from Aberdeen um, in Scotland, a fullback, and I've seen a bit and, uh, you know, they're obviously looking in that direction and willing to, you know, move heftily in that dile- direction. So, that and that's not Jurgen Klopp doing that. that that's that's good uh, acquisitions policy and a good acquisitions group that you've got there. So, it's time for them to step up. And I, I do know they have changed individuals in there over the years and sometimes it's about individuals, but it also has to be about an ethos. So... I think this is a hugely important thing for Liverpool Football Club and, you know, not my place to say it, but a hugely important thing for Liverpool fans to get behind a club, you know, get behind their players because it might not be easy for a while. Hmm. And say to take Saturday as the example, the likes of Elliot, Curtis Jones, Carvalho, do you see them as having the requisite talent and potential to be mainstays of championship winning side into the future? Will they be supporting cast-type players and Liverpool will have to spend uh, heavily enough to, to get mainstays who will uh, lead them towards uh, titles? Or uh, is it too hard to tell this early in their development? Uh, there are some geniuses out there who know how to do that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm not one of them for the for kids. Now and again you see a kid and you go, wow, and you see all the technical ability. And uh, it's certainly, you know, the, the you know, one or two, you think, well, that's going to be absolutely fine. Don't worry about that. You know, he's going to be good enough to do it. Mm. Um, others, they just grow at different levels. They just move at different levels and you don't know exactly what the levels are going to be. But I'm kind of looking at most of them and thinking, no, you know what you're doing. It's in a good position. Um, certainly Elliot, is, I, I wouldn't worry in the slightest about him. He's, he's fine. He would... If he, if he was at Man City's academy, you'd say, yeah, he'll get to the first team, he'll be fine. He's that good. Mm. He's that technically good as well. It's, it's a wee bit harder to tell with the ability to the other ones, particularly if you're just coming from the outside, you know, from you know from another nation. It, it gets that little bit harder to be able to guess if that's going to be the case. Cavallo's got brilliant, brilliant skills. I mean, have fabulous skills. But, you know, there's a lot of players around with a lot of skills at the moment. I'm sure I've talked to yourself and many people before about I could watch Crystal Palace every week with some of the players that they're producing Eze's from Zaha obviously but every time you watch them seem to have another brilliant technically fantastic dribbler who's got good vision etc 
but it's something else on top of that, isn't it? It's it's a kind of whole vision of football knowledge that's on those steps above that you're asking about. And I don't think you know really until the 21, 22, 23 with the vast majority of players. So, yeah, yeah. good ones in there, but it's, it's going to have to come from outside as well. Well, also, I would think uh, Jurgen Klopp finds himself in this, if it, this is a rebuilding phase, it's an unplanned one. I mean, they were... Uh, step in step with City towards the end of last season they were on the cusp of winning everything they give Mo Salah a huge new contract there is a sense well we are we are going to do what we can here to stay very competitive in the short term and it's almost the way the season has unfolded whether they knew it was coming or not would be an interesting question if you could ask Klopp privately did you see almost this this um, this sudden halt uh, coming is, is the interesting question but I, I suspect he couldn't have uh, anticipated it to be this uh, uh, tottering a halt and so he might just have to say well let's go full on rebuild phase now um, yeah I w- wouldn't be surprised if he does that not right off the season I still wouldn't be shocked if they got top four mm. but that's very very different for chasing for the league it's yeah. very different or Champions that. League yeah. I guess they, they might fancy their chances of being a great quote unquote cup team at that level and I also I agree that players like Salah can lift themselves for that. Yeah. But um, it's a huge amount you're going to ask for them. But yet, I wouldn't be surprised if they go through and do really well in that as well. But asking about what you could and couldn't see coming, right? So Salah getting a new contract, but and we know he's still brilliant. But there's always the but, isn't there? You know the age. You know the expectations of these games in such a short period of time. Eventually, it comes to us all. I mean, it absolutely comes to us all. So it's there's a question mark over Salah, you know, is he going to be able to do it Premier League? Because it's harder in that league to do it when you're older than any other league in the world. For Mino, I think contract comes up at the end of the season. You know, and again, he's no spring chicken either. And you've lost money. You know, so that that front line that was the genius, that was, and they had, they've had great front lines in the past, obviously, you know, it's going all the way back to Sterling. Um, but, I'm not absolutely convinced they've seen it coming this quickly, but I think they did see it coming and they've been trying to consider um, how to kind of recover it. The problem they've got now is the problem everybody's got now. They they used to be fighting against Man City and maybe a bit of Chelsea and tiny bit of Manchester United for the players they were going for. There's loads of them now. You know, Newcastle will be fighting you. I, I suspect, you know, people would probably players would probably still go to Liverpool above Arsenal but you better not fall too far because you know that'll change players go where they think there's mm. going to be success and there is the London draw the, the, the massive London draw which if you've got Arsenal who are successful Chelsea who if they get successful again you know Spurs you never quite know with them they might be getting successful again it's, it's, it's going to be harder this rebuild will be harder than the initial build I suspect mm. Just want to ask you about Leeds and Fulham. Uh, Allen Road, Leeds 2, Fulham 3. It was 3-1. There was a late consolation goal for uh, Leeds. We haven't talked about Fulham really at all this season, certainly not in any depth. Just four mm-hmm. defeats in 12, five wins. Fulham have scored more goals than Manchester United. They've scored more goals than Chelsea. Fulham have scored more goals than Newcastle. Now, they've conceded their fair share as well. They've scored 22, conceded 22. But uh, that's just worth remarking on that Marco Silva is doing a very, very good job there. Uh, they beat Leeds. Jesse Marsh afterwards were hurting. They had more possession and more attempts in this game than uh, Fulham. And I was thinking of you last week where you watched Leeds lose to Arsenal. And I know like the idea of having a bit of luck is not the most satisfying 
uh, an analytical uh, take. But I, I got the sense you were very impressed with Leeds uh, yeah. against Arsenal. They really could have got something out of the game. But they sit here with just two wins. They're in the bottom three. I don't know how much time will be extended to Jesse Marsh. It's quite an interesting situation. It's a really interesting situation. Funnily enough, um, a Legionatus supporter got in touch with me after the game. And uh, he, he goes to every game and he said, can we buy you a season ticket, Pat? Because I've been to see them twice this season. They were brilliant against Arsenal and they were brilliant against Chelsea and they battled Chelsea 3-0. And they obviously think I am the kind of lucky charm because when I... And you can usually tell by what you see with your own eyes. And they just they look brilliant in both of those two games. Right. And then you look at where they are in the league. And I, I do watch highlights. And I, I, the odd game, I can, I can catch it with them. And it is startling to see that they can be that high and that low. Um, maybe the thing about luck is if, if you're not structured that well at the back, uh, you can only get lucky for so long. You know, you can only, you will be caught. And I... There are a couple of weaknesses in that back line where in the Premier League, you'll just get done. You know, and it's it's kind of getting noticeable now that leads are getting done um, a, a wee bit too often. And even though I, I, I do like them as a team, you need to, the, the back line's where you build it from. Watching Lampard at Everton, he, he's got it now, he figured it out. you got to work from the back line. And now that they're working for the back line, they look, they look like a, a grown-up team. Um, that's not to say you've got to be boring, but and I don't think Leeds have done that. You know, I, I think they are. And I love them for it. And I love Bielsa for it. They're not quite Bielsa team, but I love them for that openness. But they probably needed to look, put a wee bit more time and effort into that back line and make sure they had real quality there, which I'm, I'm not sure there's, there's enough of it there mm. in the back line. By the way, there is a good reason why uh, most people in the media haven't spoken about Fulham. There's a very, very good reason for it. Because we never saw it coming, right? <laughs> at, at all. No one got to say, I told you so. And then we kind of say, yeah, yeah, of course, of course I always thought they were going to do well. Because <laughs> nobody did. And anybody's, I, I, I've not seen many or any who've said it. It was all about Mitrovic isn't going to be able to score and, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be able to live with teams. And then there was that wee moment against Liverpool. You thought, oh. Something there. And then you look at them now, and it, it, particularly down at Fulham, but I know this the game was against Leeds was up at Eleanor, but I particularly film hard, hard, hard place to I was going to say horrible. It's not horrible. It's a lovely little ground, but yeah. it's a hard, hard, hard place to go and win a game of football because it's stunningly tight and they use that really well. Uh, Stanford Bridge Saturday was very interesting. A uh, game, if not quite of two halves of the first 35 minutes and then the remainder. So Graham Potter makes his substitution. First 35, I know you, you always give us a great tactical sense of what's going on. So it certainly seemed like life was very enjoyable for the Manchester United midfield. And to Potter's credit, he didn't sit in his hands until half time or hope that they got away with it. He did act decisively and it seemed to do the trick. Well, he sat in his hands for 15 minutes longer than I thought he should have. Really? Yeah, it was that glaring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was doing the game from right up at the back of the main stand right but so i've got the bird's eye perfect view of the tactics and uh you know without boring the world if anybody watched danny murphy doing the analysis on it it's kind of all you need to see you got it absolutely nailed it's spot on 100 percent dead right um kind of i was trying to figure that out you know after 10 minutes and had figured it out after 10 minutes because it was that glaringly of some sometimes you need really to have a great insight into into the game and it's about putting in a diamond when you've got two and why a three, 
4-3, doesn't work against a 4-2-3. Sometimes it's something easier. Sometimes it's, they've got three midfielders and you've only got two. And that's it. <laughs> like, this was uh, Ireland at Euro 2012 level of uh, tactical insight needed. Yeah. And it does help when you've Kovacic on the bench, I'm sure. Yeah, well, to be honest, they've kind of got a lot of players they could have brought in and done that. They could have put Mount back in there in that situation. They've got, they've got a whole bunch of them there. The, 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 he could do that as well. The new lad, by the way, watch out for him. Jeez, he's got power and he's got pace. Mm. Um, but they've got a whole bunch that could have done that. But it was what we was going to do. And I was doing the commentary and I was saying, well, Graham Potter's going to change this quite soon. And it's just interesting to see what he will change it to because they're playing 3-4-3 just now. They're getting battered. Right? By the way, for anyone, and I know I'm talking to news talk people here, so you know you get football, right? But 3-4-3, three, four, three, four sounds like four midfielders, four isn't four midfielders. It's two wingbacks and two midfielders, right? So that's why you're outnumbered there. And I, the intriguing thing is to say, what I was looking at, you're going to change it, mate. You'll figure this out quickly. But what are you going to do? Because there's a negative way to do it and there's a positive way to do it. You know, so the negative way to do it is, you know, just bring another guy back from the front line and you end up playing a, a 5-3-2 mm. or a 5-3-1-1. And you've, you've equalised it in the middle there, right? But you're still getting your back three. But it's a kind of negative way to do it, you know. And the positive way to do it is to hook a centre-back. And, of course, he does the positive thing. He hooks a centre-back. And, and just makes it that diamond and two up front. And it was intriguing because it's it kind of out of the coach's playbook. It's fine. But the last guy I remember seeing doing that at Stanford Bridge was Jose, Jose Mourinho. He would have done that. And it's he was uh, he didn't care about feelings at that point in time, did he? Yeah. We know Potter does, so um, that must have been hard for him to do. And it was interesting. Cook, he, he, he made a point of going to Cucurella, uh, who, who responded and said, I get it. I know this isn't about yeah. me. Is, does it um, exemplify the issue, though, in that they didn't really need Cucurella and they have Chilwell? Like, is this a case of trying to fit two of my better players on the same pitch? Is that why he went with 3 4 3? Well, I'm, I'm intrigued by this Cucurella thing. I had, a, I had a really interesting talk with somebody down at Stamford Bridge at the game. So, this Cucurella, Chilwell, uh, I'm sure I said it to you. I can't remember what I say to everyone, but about the fact that Scotland used Robertson and Tierney yeah. and now get them to work in a three. And they take in turns for one to fly and one to stay, but they both know each other's position that well that it just it really confuses people when you play against them. And I'm thinking, it took Stevie Clark a wee while to get that working in Scotland, but it's brilliant, and it really is quite brilliant now when they're both fit, which isn't that regular. Um, however, I hadn't really seen it before. And I was, I was chatting to somebody up at the Stanford Bridge and they went, yeah, yeah, like Lasso and Babiaro. And I went, oh, wow. right. That has I, been plucked from way back when. What a and reference. I, and I went, yeah, well, now that you see it, actually, it's, it's exactly like them. I better check this out. So I turned around five yards away and went, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Graham was so standing five yards away from me. And I, said, and I said to him, see this thing that's happening with uh, Robertson and, and 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 I mentioned Cucurella and Chilwell, and he goes, yeah, like me and Bobby Arrow. Go away. Like, wow. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so Bobby Arrow. It's been a while since I thought of Bobby Arrow. Yeah, but there's nothing new in the game, is there? Sure. You know, you think you've seen something different. 
but someone's done it before. And uh, so that was, yeah, it's intriguing. He's going to do that, but in actual fact, it ain't working. Change it, move it. And he's not afraid to do it. To be fair to him, Aston Villa had the better of the game at Villa Park recently and he made changes and, and turned the tide a touch. So he has that ability to react in game. This, it's been going well for him. Sometimes we all, every single person in the stadium thinks they know how to change it. Right? We all do, right? Everyone else. I'm not different for you or anybody else. And you're looking down. Um, I'm always interested, the managers that change it, but change it not the way I'd have expected. And then it works. And that's the one that I'm always, always intrigued by those guys that do those sorts of things. Um, it's not that often because there's, there's certain set patterns that you use. Uh, Potter this time used, you know, a slot A, you know, and a part B. Yeah. Fine. However, I've seen him do one or two I didn't see coming. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching him and I'm enjoying him. Um, and by the way, United were good. The Koi Gig Pod. I wouldn't care if Megan Campbell didn't have hamstrings left. If yeah. she just stood on the sideline, she has to play. And subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. I was going to say, if we move on to them, when Casemiro was signed... I remember uh, Graeme Souness, for instance, was talking about him and he certainly wasn't saying Casemiro is a bad player, but it was akin to, well, he's more in that water carrier department. Mm. I wouldn't go getting carried away. And perhaps in the company of Kroos and Modric, most look like a water carrier. But I found myself watching on Saturday Casemiro in particular and there were just certain moments where Manchester United fans would be attuned to, well, this is the moment where we lose the ball in midfield. These are the the spots we don't tend to get out of. And man, he was quick pass, round the corner, one touch, bit of vision, bit of cam, Ericsson helping out. He is a, a properly good footballer as well, which was not the big MO when he arrived. I, yeah, that's not you think of him. He's a, he's a covering player, you know, what a carry you can call it, but also covering and reading player a lot of the time as well. Um, it was intriguing because I was similarly impressed. I was also thinking, yeah, but if you give... Bruno and you give Ericsson and you give him a whole bunch of space they're, they're going to look quite good you sure. know? <laughs> 3v2 is good, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I was kind of saying yeah nice very good uh, let's see what you do against the same amount of players and some energy and by the second part of the game those three weren't living with Chelsea in the midfield mm-hmm. weren't even close to yeah. it and those three can play they're really good players each of them um, but in the Premier League I, I would I would be a wee bit concerned that, you know, all three of them playing together against a young and vibrant midfield, um, they'll, they'll find it really hard as games develop um, because they were people were running off in the last 20, 15, 20 minutes, the, the players that stayed on. They had to take Ericsson off, he ran out of gas. So I liked what they did. Yeah. I can see Ten Hag, the, the, thing, the manager knows, I love the fact that the manager knows, he sees what's going on. And the tactical changes that he made and the changes, it's a shame though because McTominay comes on and gives away the penalty and it looks like a bad decision. It's not. He actually was the right guy to bring on at that time. Yes. So I kind of like what Ten Hag's doing and I'm slightly on board with him because, you know, as, as you know, my feelings about Ronaldo. You know, yeah, you're a Fabio big fan. You, you love the walking in off the bench uh, routine. So um, just... just Only the third player, by the way. Only the third player I've ever known to refuse to come on. Only the third. Uh, the Tevez was one. 
Yeah, and the other one was a Scottish international player I was playing with, and he wouldn't come on in a game against the Republic of Ireland where we needed to win, and you got the win. And yeah, you got the win. We needed at least a draw, I think. It was in that uh, that year that Gary McKay scored and all that. Yes. And uh, I've and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> just you, like you, you feel free to name him or not I don't mind but what was his uh, reasoning for not coming on uh, I think to show the manager tell him, uh, give him a lesson right. and that's just not acceptable so I've never anyone who does that you know they're not exactly dead to me but I you're <laughs> no longer a team player and I, I've kind of worried about his team player attitude for, for, for just too long now and you can do it and if you're scoring 30 and 40 goals a season it's mm. cool it's fine but C, A, if you're not, and B, if everybody else is looking bad because of you. And, I mean, I, the, the great argument that was with uh, Neville and uh, Kino was, you know, it's a simple argument. It's who's a star player and who's a team player, right? And it's, But I've kind of always been on the side of you're a team. You don't win anything as individuals. You really don't. And just to uh, go back to your point, so on that midfield three, that Casemiro and Ericsson and... Uh uh, Bruno midfield three, which is, you know, when they've time and space and a numerical advantage, it looks really good. And United kept the ball like they wouldn't usually versus the the subsequent uh, 65 minutes where they, they probably weren't on top. At, at the elite level, is that midfield three a touch too stationary, lacking in mobility? Yeah. To, that That's the problem. I think that would be really hard against Manchester City. Okay. Where anyone would find it hard against Man City. With Chelsea, when they got their you know, their energy and they got the, the legs on the field, they couldn't really quite live with them. I think that might in time be a difficulty next time they play against Arsenal. Um, but other than that, you know, it might be okay. okay. But there are a couple of teams in the league, particularly like of Brighton and stuff like that, that, you know, if you get them in the wrong day and they're up for it and they're chasing, they're running, they're hard to stick with. You know, that, that a number of those, I don't know, was, uh, I'm trying to think, was uh, Ericsson playing in the, 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 the game they beat 4-0 down at Brentford. He was, um, yeah, as one of the deep yeah. midfielders, yeah. Exactly. And if you do that against teams that are playing at that speed and that pace, it's dangerous. It's, that, that's, I'm not saying you're going to get done every time. Sure. It's dangerous. You can be absolutely overrun. And that's why Tintago will look for McTominay's energy in there. And he might not be, in fact, he's not as good a technical player as any of them. Mm. But yeah, you kind of sometimes need that. And that's maybe his concern at the moment. But I mean, I liked, they were lovely to watch for that period of the game and there's certainly a big improvement they look as if they're a group of players working together now which is great to see So do you suspect Ten Hag and Ronaldo will shake hands and say farewell either pre-World Cup or start of January is that the only solution here because Ronaldo's uh, self-image means he, he just can't compute not playing 80-90 <laughs> minutes every game he just can't I always try it's hard because we us mere mortals right we can't put ourselves into the, their, their positions these are not normal people these are people who think Everything revolves around me and the world. And annoyingly, they're right <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> so suddenly the world's not revolving around them and they kind of don't this Galileo stuff we're talking here. You know, well, I thought the, I thought the Earth was the centre of the universe, right? And it's suddenly not. And to try and vault Fatchy around and say to yourself, right, OK, I, I now need to be a smaller part of the team and help everybody... I don't know. I don't know if he can do it. Uh, if he can do that, Ten Hag will turn around and will love to have him. Absolutely love to have him. Yeah. Because he's brilliant and he'll do phenomenal things for you in these moments that you need him. But if he cannot take that 
uh, concept and will not run with that concept. It's best for United, it's best for Tanag, mm. and it's best for Ronaldo to get out and get out in January. It is one of the great ironies, isn't it, that that unimpeachable uh, self-regard, self-confidence, almost mm. that self-delusion to score 700 club goals. Because at the start of that journey, if you're to say I'm going to score 700 club goals and I'll still be doing what I'm doing at various ages, it's not a realistic viewpoint of, I mean, of how life works. And, and that has served... It's, Holland. Holland, of course, yeah. But that served yeah. him so amazingly. And he wouldn't be who he's been without that. So now you're asking him to change the habit of a lifetime. And I don't know... Is that can that be done in one conversation over a table? I suspect some people some people could do it, yeah, but not over one conversation. Some people have got the mindset to be able to do that, but you have to remember as everybody around them is telling them how wonderful he is and how everyone else is wrong and he's right. Mm. You know, so his agents and his friends and the sycophants that are all around him, you know, he, he could be doing would be somebody sitting him down and go, look, you're intelligent. He's an intelligent lad. It doesn't last forever. Yeah. It probably lasts a lot longer now. If you do manage it this way, you've been managing it for five years by not running very far, mm. or very fast, unless it absolutely suits you and your opportunities. This is another management change in your game that it may be worth doing. And you could play another two, three, four years with very, very good teams. But if, if the bottom lips out and managers think you're trouble, um, well, they really won't want you at their team because you're going to spoil their chances. And if they think they're going to get a guy who comes in who's not going to be able to do a job, spoil the team's better, and they get sacked, even if your name's Ronaldo, they, they won't want you there if you're a very top team. So mm. somebody's got to get inside his head and explain that to him. Yeah. Um, and I hope they will. Um, and by the way, any New Talk listeners listening just now, uh, feel free when he signs for Chelsea in January to get in touch and go, ha, ha, ha. Hope we'll laugh, yeah. <laughs> The Aubameyang Ronaldo uh, strike partnership. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Something. Would you not? By the way, I wouldn't be at all shocked by that. <laughs> in fact, it wouldn't even be mildly surprised at that. Uh, we're pretty much out of time. I did want to touch on Aston Villa uh, freed from the shackles of uh, Stephen Gerrard. And also, you were talking about uh, Leeds having to become a more grown-up side defensively. Uh, Spurs too grown-up for their own fans' liking and Newcastle into the top four. So these are these are interesting developments. On Spurs, Newcastle, Eddie Howe and Newcastle have taken 13 of 15 points available of late. Uh, Spurs' 100% home record is gone. And, you know, it's amazing. In the, I mean, we're in news cycles now and Prime Minister's last two minutes. In the Premier League, we have three games a week. So suddenly Spurs are bang, bang, defeat, defeat. And the um, unhappiness with the style of play uh, now has, well, it's not even working for us uh, to uh, buffer up that argument. So uh, Spurs and Newcastle, both pretty interesting cases right now. Yeah, and Newcastle expectations still limited, minimal, with their fans, but they're loving the ride um, and the expectations will grow. So it's a joy and the fans are absolutely up for it and they will just keep on getting better. No doubt about that. They just... They'll just keep on buying better players and they will get better. Spurs, it's, I have to say, if they had, you know, the uh, Richarlison, Kulosevsky, everybody fit and available, being able to rest the ones they needed to when they had, I still think they'd be scoring enough goals. But at the moment, it's not. And it's not working for them for in that way. Um, but have a look at the league table. It's all right. They're going know, to go through uh, it's guys. weird. You, you have to remind yourself they're third, given the atmosphere yeah. around the club of late. Exactly. Have a look at the league table. It's fine. Um, I think Conte is managing expectations down at the moment because the expectations got silly for a wee while, wee while. And including from me, I just thought, wow, grown up, they're looking great. They, they could be a real challenge. 
uh, for second place this season. And they still possibly will be, but um, I think he saw everybody else manage it up. Now, I'm not saying he's asking the team to play badly. It's not that. He's mm. just thinking, right, okay, let's calm this down a bit and explain to people this takes a, a bit of time. We need more players in. Um, there will be ups and downs in it. Uh, so, Tottenham Which, fans, should, not quite team. Not yet, but, but like, so I, I understand Conte's methodology. They're third in the table. It's fairly apparent to everybody that Kane and Son are isolated and, and Kulusevski and Richarlison injuries uh, don't help. I, I can see how a Spurs fan would say, well, bloody hell, do we need three midfielders? Stick on Lucas Moura or someone. Let's just try and link this thing a bit better. Let's let's go for it a bit more. Uh, he has this uh, Giovanni Trapattoni-esque uh, restraint in that regard. Yeah, and and everywhere he's went. That's where it's been. Yeah. Even the Chelsea days, the, the, they really, really liked him without ever loving him. You know, and, and, it's, and it's because of that. Now, if you've got that at Chelsea, if you then try and do it at Spurs, who infamously always love to attack, always love home football, their fans are utterly demanding of style and panache. Um, that's why I never thought Mourinho was a good fit there. Maybe that Conte could sort of bridge the two, uh, but at the moment it, it doesn't look like it. So unless he wins them a league or a major trophy, he will never be absolutely loved by them. But he knows what's best for him mm. and how he can get the best out of his groupings of players. Uh, but it's you kind of knew that, didn't you? That, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you knew that would be with with him and the Spurs fans were with him. But they, they should they, they should understand that. They, look, the Champions League this week, right? They are right on the cusp of either getting through the next round or not and failing and falling away. Best thing for them, probably go to the Champions League. Honestly, I think the best thing for them because if they've got a sharper team for the second half of the season, I think they will be right up there and could get second. Okay. We are out of time. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Cheers. Pat and Evan with us on this Monday evening. Our football show coverage brought to you by Sky. Watch every Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. Back in one sec. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch all the football you love, including the biggest Premier League games every weekend. Live on Sky. This is News Talk.